Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. I'm assistant professor of pastoral ministry and author in residence at Midwestern Seminary. And I'm here today, as always, with my friend, my pastor, Dr. Nathan Rose. He is the lead pastor of Liberty Baptist Church and a trustee of the seminar. A trusty trustee. <laughs> I assume you're I trusty. <laughs> I hope I'm trustworthy, right? Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have asked me. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Honestly, I didn't think that you would invite me back, Jared. Having you on the show, like you're a guest. No, this this is a co-host spot. What do you uh, mean? Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, do you, do you always on. have that beard? Is that beard new? It's newish, yes. Okay. I like to I like to switch things up. You know what I mean. <laughs> I'm looking at your face on the the video, and I and I I'm one of those people like if someone's wearing glasses. I'm like, do they always wear glasses? Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm just not a very perceptive. Person. I'm your like I'm your atypical Baptist. I like change. You know, I like okay. to just switch it up. Change you know, it up every now bit. and then. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, Baptists do not like change, right? Change it at any time and <laughs> for any reason is is always deplorable. But um, yeah, it's it's good to be here. I appreciate the uh, the invite back to put me in the co-host spot. Yeah, you're doing all right. We're we're doing this over the interwebs instead yeah. of uh, in the studio because it's well, we were supposed to have a snowpocalypse. Yes, they but were that's saying, not the reason like, why we did this. Six to ten inches. Well, they don't know that. We can create a narrative okay. of our own. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, if we had planned to be in the studio, and I, I would have already called you and said, "Let's do online yeah. anyway." So it doesn't. Here's the thing, though. I know that I know the real reason why you wanted to do this online. Yeah, what's that? Well, there's really two two reasons. Uh, the first is how drained were you the last time we did a podcast, and I was in the room. <laughs> with you. I, I just I stole all your energy for like three days. You were out. Isn't that true? Well, that's that is true, but it's it doesn't matter so who it is. is. This is your buffer. This is it's like just, how do I how do I preserve the rest no, of my day? This makes it worse. Aren't you familiar with like the Zoom fatigue? Oh yes, phenomenon. We're not on Zoom, but you know, yeah. The there, there's something about this distance, about this buffer, that actually is more taxing. I think they're discovering. Yes, I which agree. is why everyone's even more weary than than just from the pandemic. You know. Yeah. So, Jared, I have a question I want to ask you. Okay. Is a virtual podcast a podcast? <laughs> yeah, because podcast by definition is, is a virtual medium. Tell, tell listeners what I'm hinting yeah, at. Yeah, you're, you're, this is, this is going to be old news by the time this comes out. But It's still funny, though. Se- several months ago, I, uh, well, we December, don't do hot December, takes. December 14th. This is, okay, not a yeah. hot, this is not a hot take. That's what I'm saying. We don't do hot takes on here. We only do cold takes. So this is actually good timing to talk about okay. this yeah. way back on December 14th of the previous year in the year of our Lord, 2021. <laughs> I said on Twitter, I forget what I said. I think I said virtual the, church isn't church four, or something like that. Four words, Jared, four words. Virtual yeah. church isn't church. Yeah. And, and boy, people you start lost a their minds. <laughs> you know what's funny about that? So I was reading everyone's comments on what you said. So I I retweeted you. I quote tweeted you, yeah. and I said to speak my truth. And, and here's the thing: I'm being very, <laughs> I'm very Wait, sarcastic. Yeah. yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm very sarcastic in this tweet, which I'm never sarcastic. I rarely am I sarcastic online. Uh, to speak my truth, I feel in my feelings that a church is whatever <laughs> I feel that it is. And I know it's true because my heart tells me so. Also, why does Jared hate the elderly? <laughs> and so, 
And then you like someone like wrote an article on it. No, not like, just someone. Okay. Yeah. So first of all, that's such an obviously sarcastic tweet that that somebody would think. You know, I feel in my feelings, and to speak my truth, it's such an obviously sarcastic tweet. But our friend, my friend, former friend Ed Stetzer, <laughs> some some guy that works for him, whose job it is apparently to write articles based on things people say on Twitter. That's kind of his job now. I don't understand that, but uh, and I gave Ed a hard time about this. He published an article about my tweet and the response to it, and he quoted you. <laughs> As if it was a serious comment. So he quotes, and and he left off the first part. He just left off the why does Jared Wilson hate the elderly? So he's like, Dr. Nathan Rose, pastor of Liberty Baptist Church, wants to know. And I thought, number one, this Dr. Nathan Rose is my pastor. So the very idea <laughs> that my pastor would be on Twitter, like, why does Jared hate old people? And I thought it was a serious comment and published it. When that shit. came out, I was like, this is what I get for being sarcastic. I'm sarcastic one time, and then it gets picked up in some article. And I was like, I'm going to go down in history. Like, people yeah. are going to read this in 100 years not knowing the context and be like, wow, Dr. Nathan Rose feels in his feelings. Like, I just <laughs> – it was so – What man, I'm loving right now is over, over the last week or so, there have been people um, talking about this – quote unquote baptism in Facebook's meta or whatever that is, the metaverse. And people and some of the same people who were giving me a hard time about the virtual church oh, comment wow. are like, this is ridiculous, you know, making fun wow. of this bath. And yeah. I'm like, this is exactly what I was talking about. This is the argument. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I, 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 you know, we should we could do a whole episode on this. We could because people were were assuming that I'm like anti shut in. Yeah, it like literally like it escalated so quickly. It was like, Jared, why do you hate people with autoimmune disorders? It was yeah, like, it had, it was like yeah. the second comment. It was, yeah, very it's, frustrating. It Sorry was, that ju it was just nuts. And then people were like, you know, the irony that he put this, that he put this on Twitter, a virtual media. And I'm like, Twitter is a virtual media. The church is an embodied, anyway, I, you know. That's funny. What's, sorry, yeah. to, sorry to bring that up. Professing but. to be wise, yes. they revealed themselves to be fools. Hey, we're talking about, um, Exegesis today, yeah. yeah, properly interpreting. So that's a good transition. People. Yeah, exegesis slash outline, outline. development. Okay. That's right. I want to ask you some questions related to that subject. Okay, so we started a series uh, several weeks ago called "The Craft of Preaching," mm -hmm. and whose uh, idea was so that again? I think that was yours. So yeah, that, I think so. That's probably explaining. Oh yeah, why yeah, I forgot. These episodes aren't as listened to as the others, probably <laughs> for that reason. No, that's uh, because I'm on here. That's why they're not listened as much. So that for, I don't even know the guy. You know, Ronnie was the guy who actually paid attention to how many listeners we have, and now he's gone. So you know, I have no idea. We we we, we might have doubled in the last few weeks. Who knows? I wouldn't even unlikely, know. but yeah. So our first installment, of course, was on introductions. Here we are in our second installment, The Craft of Preaching, talking about exegesis and the crafting of outlines. This was your idea, so I'll, I'll let you yeah. run with it. What what do you have in mind? So, yeah, Jared, you're, you're a preacher, and I think it's interesting, whether you're a preacher or not, to kind of hear a behind-the-scenes answer to some of these questions. Like, how does, how does Jared C. Wilson uh, prepare sermons? So I, I really just wanted to ask you first, how many sermons do you think you've preached in your whole life, if you had Gosh. to guess? When did you start preaching? Uh, on like a regular weekly 
Yeah, no, what was your first sermon? Like, how old were you? Well, my very first sermon was probably 1995 or 96, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how many? No, no, it would have been it would have been 94 actually because in the summer I graduated high school it was my first ministry role, which is the youth director for a Chinese Baptist church, <laughs> which uh, had had its own service on Sunday mornings as an alternative to the adults in the Chinese church. So they wanted me to take all the youth and do our own kind of church service, which I, of course I would not do that now, but um, but I was preaching every week then. So that was kind of my first sort of regular preaching i'd done a couple of speaking things before that but yeah ballpark do you think you're over a thousand i don't know man math is not my strong i know me Pro- neither. probably i don't i, don't I know. think so that'd be my yeah. guess if you started in 94 regularly preaching you're probably above no but i wasn't i mean i wasn't like regular and you know week in week out for years in a row until like 2005 or something like that okay still yeah. probably got a thousand close to it okay ha- how do you select your text? Uh, I want to ask that in two ways. One, when you're like guest preaching, but specifically like when you were in a, a role where you preach on a regular basis, how did how did you select what text you were preaching? Uh, well, those are, those are two different questions. Totally. Like for a guest or when I'm I was asking, but I'm preaching asking to both. a church. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of times when you're a guest, somebody asks you for a particular. Sometimes they'll say a topic or something, okay, okay. which makes me think, okay, well, it's probably been a while since I preached from a major prophet. Is there something I can find that relates to that theme or something? And that's usually not too difficult. I try, I try to, you know, keep a good variety. I don't want to get, gosh, I only preach from the Pauline epistles or or something like that. So I try to mix things up. At the For the Church conference every year, I try to do something. I kind of go back and forth between Old and New Testament and kind of do something different there. Um, but when I was preaching at church, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, I typically pick books and I would alternate Old and New Testament, big books, short books. I wanted my, you know, my people to have kind of a good variety of the, uh, of the diversity in the, in the Bible. And I would break those up a topical series here and there, but yeah, I, how, I would just pick books. How far did you plan out? So you're like, okay, we're preaching through this book. Like before you even started, are you knowing exactly yeah. which verses you're doing? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Usually I take a day to kind of sit down and do that. And I would plan typically six to eight months in advance, probably. Did you ever change that? Like you come up and you're like, man, I need I need a couple of weeks for this passage. I thought I only needed one. Um, I might have done that once or twice, but it probably it was probably for a different reason. I, I was going to be out of town or something and didn't know or something like that. I used to do it that way. And then I found that I just continually, it seemed like I was continually painting myself back into a corner. Oh. And I and I didn't like, I liked the freedom of like, so if you look at my calendar now, we're going through Second Samuel, but I have not like mapped out, you know, which verses. So I'm kind of deciding almost the week of, I mean, I have a general idea, sure, but I don't like to finalize that until like the week of preaching. Yeah, everybody's different. I don't think there's yeah. any kind of rule about that. Um, I'm I'm not a big fan of kind of the Spurgeon style of yeah, certainly figuring week to week out jumping all over gotcha. the place, and you know, that's, gotcha. I think that's the one, yeah. the one criticism that I would have of of his approach. Yeah. Okay, Jared. Talking about initial steps, what's what's the first thing you're doing in the sermon process? So you obviously already you got your text and all that. Like, what is what is Jared doing? In, in that first step. Yeah. So I'm looking at the text. Usually I print it out like physically. Okay. I print it out on a piece of paper. Do you do iPad prep? Is it like all no, your old school? Every, everything. Okay. Um, I mean, I'll do on my laptop 
but I used to do um, I would print out literally the text on a sheet of paper and with a pen, I, I just start chewing on it and kind of jotting things down thoughts as they occur to me. And, um, you know, the week when I was preaching you know, to the same people every week, that usually began on Monday, like Monday morning, I would print that out. And then all day Monday, I'm not really doing sermon prep, but it's just kind of there on the desk and I'm, you know, putting it under my nose every now and again and kind of jotting things down and, um, you know, as, as, as it occurs to me. And, and that's kind of the, you know, the, in the beginning, it's just trying to get, you know, a, you know, a sense of the rhythm yeah. of it, uh, become you know familiar with it, just kind of steeping in it. And that's even before I, I start like, all right, what's the big idea? What's yeah. the, you know, all those sorts of things. It's just kind of, yeah. What does this remind me of? What does this phrase mm-hmm. make me think, you know, is there, you know, is there a connection, you know, to this idea or this other text, or I'm just sort of brainstorming, you know, kind of. I like I like the word steeping. It's a great. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what I do. I'm just reading it, rereading it, listening to it, making observations, asking questions of the text that either I'm like, I don't know the answer to that, or maybe I know the answer to it, but my listeners aren't going to know the answer to it. And so trying to to you know, outline some questions there to ensure that they get answered later in the, in the sermon. Yeah, it's good. I think that's a, a good way to start. Okay. So you're, you're, you're kind of out of the steeping phase. What's the first thing that you're trying to do, trying to figure out, are you coming up with your introduction first? No, <laughs> we talked about that. last <laughs> time. That's the last thing you do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the last thing, but it's towards the, yeah, okay, towards it's, the probably, end. it's always second to last conclusion last, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. So the first thing and just sort of trying to see the organization of the text, what, you know, what are the major the streams of thought in it is, is, you know, what, what is the big idea? If I had to yeah. summarize the whole text in one kind of question, problem, topic, theme, major thesis, something like that, you know, what would that one thing be? And so I'm, I'm, I'm coming up with some kind of heading that describes, you know, the the sense of the whole text. Uh, a heading or a sentence? Um, it could be a heading for me. I mean, it could be a sentence, but um, it could be as simple as sort of, I think this is about the glory of God speaking to those who are suffering or something like yeah. that. It, it can be that, you know, that blunt. I, uh, I think I just, I'm, I'm looking for the central sort of, you know, yeah. overarching theme. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We've never really talked too much about preaching. We, we have on, on some occasions, but everything that you've mentioned, which I suspected this to be true, but everything that you've mentioned so far, I'm like, that's exactly how I'm doing it. So after I've let, after <laughs> okay. I'm let it steep, the next thing I'm trying well, to do is figure out what's the main right. idea. What's the central idea. I'm trying to get that into a, a, a clear, simple sentence Okay. that if the biblical author were sitting right next to me and I said that sentence, they'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm, that's exactly what I was trying to communicate. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. You know what I need to do is give you a copy of my book, Gospel Driven Ministry, because it, yeah, it outlines in there. How to- <laughs> it's for me, Jared. It's for me. That's what it says at the beginning. That's right. It's dedicated to you. But no, it doesn't no, say no, this is. No, 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 no. It does what? not say that it's dedicated to me. It says it's for you. Yeah, it's for me. <laughs> That's what that means. It's a dedication. You, to utilize because the assumption oh, there is that oh, it's not happening. That's, That's why it's funny. It's yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. But of you're all the people, all the people who need this, it is, 
you haven't read the book because uh, all of this is in that book. <laughs> I, I have a lot of books that I'm supposed to read. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but do you have, uh, do any of them say for Nathan Rose? That's a good point. The, I, the, did, the, I did read uh, all of The Imperfect Disciple, which you, okay. you dropped my name in there too, which was pretty cool the way uh, you did that. Okay, good. Uh, Jared, next question. I want to know, so you, you kind of trying to craft the main idea. I'm assuming you're doing that independently of any sort of outside resources. Yes. Yeah. I'm okay. not going to secondary sources yet. Okay. Uh, is that your next step? Do you use commentaries? No. The next step for me is trying to construct, uh, kind of an outline of the, okay. of my understanding of the text. So an exegetical okay. outline of, awesome. of the text. So not, this is not your preaching outline. It's just no. an exegetical one. Exactly. When does yeah. the when does the 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 homiletical outline come into play? Um, it will be sort of the the next step. I, I want to try to figure out how do I outline my understanding of the passage, what I think the author is is communicating, or what is the you know the if it's a narrative passage, what are the plot points, so okay. to speak, of the you know of the narrative, um, you know the things that are sort of um, s- supportive of or are conveying that big idea, like how how is that big idea now expressed um, in in that passage in an outline form. And then the homiletical outline is sort of my way of saying, okay, I'm taking those data points. What is the Lord saying to my church? Or what is the Lord saying to Christians from this, you know, from these data points? Are you using commentaries or consulting commentaries in between those two, the exegetical and the homiletical outline? No, not unless it's Do you just, use commentaries at all, Jared? I, I do, yes. Okay. But but not until, uh, I mean, I the only time I would go to them between before the homiletical outline stage, or in the middle of of my own sort of exegesis. And the reason I I you know I say, you know I don't want to do it, and I don't think most people should go to them until later is because if you're especially if you're a pastor, you know one of the qualifications is able to teach. And so yeah. if you're constantly going to what other people, you know how how they've digested this information, you're kind of short circuiting that qualification. You're not putting that to the test. So uh, I'm not saying you, you never consult, but I think consulting too early is a way of kind of, you know, missing out on, on leaning into that, into that gift. So the, the only time I would open a book up early, you know, in this early stage would be um, if I'm just absolutely stuck and I feel yeah. like I've hit a wall, I've, I've exercised everything that I, I think I can, and I just don't understand it. I, I don't have the internal knowledge, you know, I don't have the, Background uh, knowledge, maybe the credentials. Yeah, yeah. There's just something being referred to here, or something that I just can't understand, and I've tried every which way. And so I, I do need somebody who is is more, you know, knowledgeable than I am to kind of unlock that piece for me. No, that's good. I want to talk to you a little bit about your outlines. Uh, alliteration or nah? You don't? Do you do that? Yeah, I I do it usually the beginning. I mean, I, I don't this. I don't. I try not to make it so cutesy where every. Yeah. You know, I, I like to call it symmetry, which it's good. I, I think the point should have symmetry, which is their similar length. They're expressed in a similar way. You know, I don't think point one should be four, you know, four or five words and point two should be two sentences. And I've, I've seen guys out, you know, outlines <laughs> like that. Um, you know, I think there should be some symmetry between those points. And I like alliteration. I just think, you know, it's possible to overdo it. I, I think yeah. if constantly, you know, do you think there's a place for artistry? In your sermons, like in your writing, in your your points specifically, um, yeah, but you don't want them to be so vague. Like I don't want them to be so artistic that they're not actually communicating. If if I have to, 
exegete my homiletical outline, it's kind of <laughs> defeats the defeats purpose. The purpose. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, well, uh, I'm assuming, so I'm making the assumption that you're, you're like, there's a way you could just say it in a straightforward fashion and communicate the information. There's also a way that you could communicate the information, but do it in a, in sort of an artistic way. I think you do sure. that. That's why I asked the question, do you think there's a place for it? I was trying to trying to set yeah. you up. To, I mean, I'm trying to do that through the whole sermon in, in a way of like, how can I how can I preach in a beautiful way or an artful yeah, way, artful to, way. A, you know, to adorn, you know, the beauty of of you know of God's word and and of his glory. But I don't want to get so artistic or so creative that everything needs explanation and it just kind of you know to, to me that's trying to be too you know impressive. Yeah. You know, um, you know, in the preacher's own sense of, you know, being impressive. I have a couple of your outlines here. Let's see if oh, if, gosh, our, <laughs> if our listeners think you're being too impressive. By oh, all right. Yeah. You know. So Jonah four. I think you preached this at was it at a Ready conference or FTC? Yeah. Um, I believe it was Ready last year. Okay. Yeah. And then I preached but, it at Liberty as well. You preached it at Liberty, which is great, by the way. So the title. Do you remember the title? Uh, it was about running. Uh, it was like the unoutrunnable love of yeah, God the, or something like the that. The outrunnable love of God. And the unoutrunnable. It can't okay, be outrunnable. I, I, yes, then I, <laughs> I clearly, as I looked at my notes from that sermon, I wrote it down incorrectly. You can't so outrun un, it, right? So it's unoutrunnable. Un- <laughs> you typically make up words for your yeah. sermons, is it? Okay. Oh, man. At my last church, I had a lady in my church. Uh, her name was was Amy. And she kept a running. She had a journal, and she wrote down all the made-up words that I used <laughs> in my service because I did it a lot. I used uh, the the phrase "unswimmable." Mm, that was one of her one. favorites. It's like <laughs> I was talking about the grace of God is fathoms deep and unswimmable, mm, and you can't, you know, uh, you can't get to the surface. Like that's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, those little th- th- that's kind of the artistry that I was mentioning, okay. and th- and that kind of sticks in people's minds. So <laughs> okay, so the unoutrunnable love of God first. God's love is for our worst enemies. Now I'm like worried I wrote these down incorrectly, so you might have to correct <laughs> I mean, I probably won't remember anyway. <laughs> God's love is for our worst enemies. So I think you were talking about, you know, how he, Jonah's called to go preach to Nineveh. Uh, second, God's love is for our whole lives, which I think you talked about how he cares for the animals in that one. Is that Yeah, because at the end he talks about the livestock. Should I not care about yeah. Nineveh? You know, yeah. all these people and the livestock. So it's just about like all of our all of our lives he cares about. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, God's love is for our sinful selves. Which you yeah. really brought the gospel home on that one and just yeah, reminded us that God loves sinners like us. So So yeah, you yeah. notice the there's alliteration in the first part yep. of it, right? God's mm-hmm. love is for, God's love is for. But it's not, you know. Worst it doesn't rhyme. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not completely yeah. alliterative. I have one more. Okay. Uh, the reason I brought this one up was because I don't always do this. I, in fact, I rarely do it. When I ask you to preach, I usually just say, hey, preach whatever you want. But this one, I, I said, hey, I need you to preach from Mark's gospel. Yeah. And so you preach. I had Mark's to write book. a whole new sermon, man. I know. I know. <laughs> do you remember what happened there? Yeah. Well, I, I preached through Mark at my last church. And for whatever reason, this one manuscript was one that I did not have <laughs> filed. So, when, so I had when to, you agreed, you're like, oh yeah, it shouldn't be yeah, a problem. No problem. I've just, you before. I'll just go, you know, <laughs> look up that sermon. And then you text me a couple of days or weeks later and you're like, uh Oh, I can't find it. <laughs> that's right. 
<clears throat> I thought I'd just pull it out of the filing cabinet, but no, just, you, you got something fresh. <laughs> I It was, and it was good. It was great. So uh, you probably don't remember the title, but it was The All-Surpassing Worthiness of Jesus. Mm, that's good, man. <laughs> it's, it's great. Great title, right? Yeah. Uh, Very so John the first Papiri. one was <laughs> Judas's Betrayal. Jesus is worthy of our greatest desire. Second, Peter's Attack. Jesus is worthy of our greatest passion. And then third, Jesus' death. Jesus is worthy of the greatest sacrifice. Okay. So I thought you did a fantastic job. Again, the <laughs> symmetry there, uh, I think, again, accurate to the text. It you know, reflects. Hey, the, let, the, let me ask you, because what, yeah. what you just demonstrated is also pretty common. It's it's an ex, It would be an exception for me to, to have more than three points. I'm kind <laughs> yeah. of a yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a three point guy. Um, what are your thoughts on, on that? Do you, yeah. you know, is it, you just sort of like, Hey, whatever the text is, is telling me, or do you have like a, wow, I really want to keep it in the yeah. three, four kind of, I like three. Yeah. Uh, I think there's just something Trinitarian about it. I, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but there, I don't know. Maybe it's just culturally, but three is nice. I really tried to ensure that whatever the outline is, it's just reflective of the text. Uh, in some ways, I like two-point sermons mm. because, one, it makes it a little bit easier to like find the symmetry. Sometimes you know, you're know you trying to get that symmetry for that third point. It can be difficult. I also like two points. I feel like I take a long time. I, I like to get one point and just like dive down really deep and sort of explore it, talk about it, illustrate it, apply it. And I feel like two points gives me like a really good amount of time to explore both both points. And sometimes I feel a little bit more pressed for time when I have three. So that's just okay. a personal preference. Yeah. Um, I just like to kind of move a little bit slower and more methodically through through the text. But again, it ultimately just boils down to, yeah, is, is there sort of a natural outline in the passage? And if so, I try to adhere to that. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I like the, I think there's an arc to three points that I like. Yeah, true. That's a little, uh, and, and you know, the max, well, I, I preached a sermon a couple weeks ago in, um, in San Angelo, Texas, that I think was like six points, I think. Oh and, my. Man, and Becky remarked my, you know, she, afterwards she was like, since when do you preach so many yeah. points? And I was like, well, I just, you know, and it's a day, it's a risk for me because it I is. feel like the more points you have, there's like diminishing returns on certainly you kind of devalue the others almost. And True. you can only spend, you, you know, three or four minutes if you have a whole lot of points, you know. You're rushing I feel like you're rushing through with six points. Yeah. You gotta get through those points quickly. Yeah. Hey, yeah. could I offer for our audience a little kind of a psychological pro tip in terms of the because we're talking about the amount of time you spend in your points. I have a theory just based on having listened to a lot of preaching and having to look at people who listen to me preach. Um, so say you've got three points. So say, you know, your sermon is 30 minutes long or 35 minutes long mm. and, and you've got three points. If you spend the bulk of your time in point one, it's going to feel like a longer sermon. Uh, even if it's the same amount of time it's true. At, at, as you would, if you, um, spend the, you know, the least amount of time in point one and then the medium amount of point, you know, a time in point two and then more time in point three, it actually, if you get through point one into point two, it gives the sort of, you know, I don't know if I'm being, uh, manipulative here, but it makes the audience feel like the sermon is moving it's more true. quickly. 
than it really even is. And you're kind of cueing them to listen more and to lean. I mean, the whole point of all of this is to help people hear and understand and give their attention to the word of God. And so every little thing that we can do, you know, technique wise, I think can help. So gosh, even if you're planning to preach for only 35 minutes, if you spend 15 minutes in point one, it's feeling like a long sermon, even if it's not. So just like something to keep in mind for, you know, for folks out there who are still kind of working through, you know, how to construct their time and and pace themselves. Jared, can I ask you a follow-up? Okay. Was that directed for me? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been saying it to all the guys I coach too, because what, so one thing that I noticed, because I I listen to a lot of guys, I, I do sermon reviews is, they they start running out of time, just like yep. you were saying, right? So they spend so much time loading all this stuff up in point one, and da 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 da, and then they get, and then and then they're looking at the clock, and they're like, oh, and then it feels rushed at the end. But the but the trade off is, it actually feels longer if there's just this yeah. long expanse of exposition. And I, I don't even know if you remember there's points. If I'm 15 minutes into your exposition under point one. I'm I'm thinking was that even a point or did I you know mark that down wrong or yeah. or what so we we just need to kind of pace ourselves in the construction of the sermon so that we can help the congregation um, really stay with us. Yeah, that's good. Hey, uh, w- one more quick question. I know we're running out of time here. What's what's the point of your outline points? Like, what are you, what are you trying to <clears throat> accomplish, Jared? Yeah, well, a couple of things. The first, of course, is that I'm help, I'm trying to help people see, um, you know, hear what the Lord is saying from this text to them. So, what is God's message to you? What is He What is He proclaiming to you from this text? The second is is as I just said, to kind of give people kind of a way station, kind of handholds through the text. You, you're you're training people to study the Bible and read the Bible in your preaching. So, if it's like hugely academic and kind of over philosophical. Um, you, you're going to lose people and kind of give them a sense of um, fear or, or intimidation about studying the Bible um, and and maybe, you know, keep them from being enthusiastic about it. But if you can communicate in a clear but beautiful and gospel-centered way, you're, you're training people to understand the Bible well. I would say kind of the, the last thing to be thinking, well, maybe not the last thing, but the primary point of the, of the sermon points I don't think is memorization is people remembering like a memorable phrase that people are going to take home and be kind of a practical takeaway that they're going to incorporate into our lives. Um, you know, you've been preaching a long time. Anyone who's been preaching a long time knows most people don't remember those sermon points by Monday. If, 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 you know, if they even remember them Sunday evening, you know, yeah. um, I usually don't even remember them by like, I don't, I day, don't right? people will come up to me right after yeah. I preach. What was your third point? I <laughs> yeah, you're like, and I like, oh, let me pull up my iPad. Let me get my notes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just kind of a way station in, you know, to help us situate ourselves in the text and in the sermon. Every now and again, some point is so well articulated that it changes somebody's life maybe. But by and large, they're not these things that people kind of walk away with enduring memories of. Hey, so we have pop, to kind of pop quiz though. Pop, yeah. pop quiz. What was, do you remember my outline from Sunday to prove the point? First Samuel, um, second Samuel was, chapter one. I can tell you, it was, it, love, you talked about loving love. friends. There you go. Love your friends. Love your friends. I don't remember what the other ones were. Love That's, your enemies. Oh, okay. I guess enemies would make sense there. Last one was love, God. love the Lord's anointed. Yeah. Love the Lord's anointed. Okay. Yeah. 
That's good. That is prove the point though. You didn't remember them, so I remembered Friends. Yes, I did. Uh, no, I'm not. A, I'm not Just offended the, by it. It's oh, okay. It, I think I'm pro- It's proving the point that you're making. Is I yeah. used to spend a lot of time. Probably it was four days ago time. too. So uh, getting one That's right true. was pretty good. That's <laughs> impressive. Uh, I used to spend probably an inordinate amount of time like trying to get like craft like the perfect outline. Yeah. And when I finally realized like people don't remember it, then it kind of you know, just alleviated a little bit of pressure. And it's like, you know, maybe you don't have to spend as much time on this. No one's taking it home with them. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah, hopefully the message is, and like, you know, yes. something has happened spiritually, but not necessarily those specific points. And it's typically, even if there is a line that lodges with people, it's typically not the sermon point. It's some line that you said, or some thought that you gave in your exposition that tends to kind of really pierce into someone's heart. Probably. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, this has been good. Uh, we, you know, obviously we could say a lot more about this and maybe we'll do uh, sort of a continuation of it in whatever our third part is. But uh, I've enjoyed talking about preaching with you, brother. It's good stuff, man. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. If you enjoy the podcast, your listener, please give us a good review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast hosted by Jared Wilson found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.